go. I like how you whispered go. <laughs> I said go. <laughs> I liked it a lot. I'm doing an ASMR. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, happy birthday, Erin. Thank you. Your, I am... your birthday was actually like almost a week ago. It was a while ago. Oh, and <laughs> and no one in my family knows how old I am. And I love oh. it so much. My I mom love that. Like, like, yeah. Like, honestly, like once you hit 30, does it, it doesn't really matter, does it? Like, n- no. It's like, whatever. Point, Nobody cares. <laughs> the points are made up and nothing matters. Exactly. Um, yeah. You'd have my... to chop us down and count the rings inside. Yeah, and and no, thank you. You know, I'm not gonna, yeah. <laughs> maybe not gonna. Do I don't that. need to know that badly. That's <laughs> no. Um, yeah, my mom. I called my mom, and she was like, "Happy 32nd birthday!" And I was like, <laughs> "Wow, that last year happened in a day. Cool. Oh, uh, wow, wow, wow." And then like other family members said I was 30, and I was just sitting here like, you know what? It doesn't. Sure. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> You know, they're in the right decade. We're fine. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a been a good time. Um, we saw Nope, and you and I were the we only ones nope. who laughed. I know. What was up with that? <laughs> well, I know for me, like, I had seen it before. And so, uh-huh. like, I, I felt like I could enjoy the humor a little bit more because I definitely didn't laugh that much the first time I saw it because sure. I was, like, kind of tense because... Yeah. There's like some jump scenes in there, right? Like there's yeah. some like genuinely scary scenes in that movie. And so like I feel like because I already knew about all of those and knew what was coming, I could enjoy the humor more. So I was definitely laughing more than I did the first time. So I don't know what the deal was with you. Why were you laughing so much? <laughs> I just genuinely think <laughs> I like I just genuinely think that there's so much humor like there Jordan is, Peele yeah. kind of he kind of builds suspense the same way he would build a joke or build that tension in yeah. a joke. Um and I just genuinely find him hilarious. I think Kiki Palmer like Ugh, was the funniest so ever. Good. Oh she my goodness. So good. Oh my gosh. Um we're going to ha- I think we'll have to do a jam about Jordan Peele at some point yes, it was just Absolutely. Maybe that'll be our Halloween slash uh, yeah slash uh potiversary yeah yeah i think that'd be good that'd be a good one but yeah, yeah. um nope N- nope <laughs> i'm leslie nope <laughs> i'm leslie do you think leslie nope liked nope i think she loved it yeah i think she i think she got really scared <laughs> she probably got really scared um and probably like Someone in the office put a K on the poster and then, like, put it on her wall. Uh-huh. <laughs> Probably. Someone oh. in the National Park Service office. Yeah. Because that's where she is now. <laughs> or maybe they, like, built a scary scene. You know how they were out in, like, a ranch? Maybe they, like, <laughs> put together some sort of a scary scene in one of the parks or something. Oh, maybe. Oh, I love that. There's some fan fiction for you on yes. this um, on this Monday. <laughs> just an imagine and then, yes, a hypothetical fan fiction. It's what we do yeah, best. Um, we don't actually write the fan fiction. We just come up with the ideas. No, so. we we'll just talk about it and then figure that it's canon. Because that's obviously. not canon. Um. So. <laughs> so, it's, it's your birthday, and yeah. 
You yeah. have chosen a birthday bonus topic for us. I have here top DNA. You know, I am. Our, I'm very yeah. intrigued by this. I'm real excited. It's inspired by what you were thinking about in yours. Um, mm, okay. It kind of brings it into the like realm of early Brooklyn, I guess. So more today, of like a real, a real world grounded kind of. Because mine was very much like fantasy and like yeah. science fiction. So like bringing it more. I see. I see, kind of, I see what you're and doing. And kind of what women, <laughs> like how female identifying characters like use their power and claim their power and all of that. So we're looking at how that happens in Brooklyn. Um, if you haven't heard my subtle yet long winded ramblings, I'm obsessed with Brooklyn mm. because my family yeah. is from there. <laughs> Um, and so I was really thinking about how female identifying characters in Brooklyn, um, I think I put it from 1920s to 1990, uh, just because those are where the characters I was most interested mm -hmm. in kind of lived. But um, thinking about how those female identifying characters claim their agency and power in a world that's not created for them yet um, and kind of... Mm, okay more recently is still not created for them um and so like we always talk about it but the the main reason I was thinking about this is that my grandmother was a woman of Brooklyn she was an Irish woman in Brooklyn um living there in the 1900s and um she had her own laundromat she owned a she walked right into a like at one point in her life, she walked right into a bar and said, you got to open up a kitchen in here. Let me run it for you. She was very much like, <laughs> oh, wow, I love that. <laughs> she's real cool. She when I have to tell the story, but he walked, she walked in and asked this bartender, hey, do you have a food service here? And he said, no. Um, and so she said she talked to him for like 20 minutes or 30 minutes and got her self there as the lead kitchen person she had never she's not like a commercial cook she doesn't have that training or anything she just saw that she she used to say she knows Americans love a hamburger <laughs> so she was gonna um sell hamburgers but she always tells the story that the guy kept saying like ah oh, Jesus lady I don't know ah oh, Jesus lady I don't know and at the end her favorite thing she went out to her favorite story she went out to and her friend said oh how'd it go and she said great he thinks I'm Jesus <laughs> Or a Jesus lady is what um, I said. <laughs> or a Jesus lady, absolutely. <laughs> and so the story goes that then she came to run that. She um, she ran her own laundromat where her her name was Emily, and her tagline was um, "Emily's the dirt comes out at Emily's" because she was mm -hmm. such a gossip and she loved neighborhood <laughs> gossip, um, and she used to like have mafia members kind of watch out for her as she walked home and kind of take care of her um did she my... like okay i did she wash murder clothes i mean like, i don't know i mean the dirt comes out like i don't know if emily she's being protected questions. by the, she's being yeah. protected by the mob like i mean you have to wonder right 
She she supplied the soap, but we don't know. We don't know, mm. but wow, we wow, should, wow. You should do a podcast about your grandma. I've tried to write a play like, about her. It's kind of oh in the Because I just... <gasps> yes. She's just so funny. Um, do it. I think she passed away when she was like 96, 97. Wow. She was like raring to go. Yeah. So this is kind of an homage to her. Um, yeah. Uh, and so just kind of thinking about what other characters in media um, in Brooklyn in this time were doing to kind of get that agency and self-efficacy in kind of the microcosm that was Brooklyn at the time, which always makes me laugh and my family laugh that it was not Brooklyn as it is today. Brooklyn as it is today is very much like taken over by hipsters and kale and all of this Mm. stuff that's very much not how it used to be um my dad describes where they grew up as the poorest house on the poorest street in all of new york um so it was a very different time so that's kind of where i where i'm coming from with this um will you join me on this journey (laughs) i would love to but i have a question yeah. And maybe maybe you kind of already answered this, but I'm wondering about so like you have this list of works here of movies and TV shows that take place in well, not all of them are like specifically in Brooklyn, but that all take right. place in New York City in this time period that you've laid out. So, I want to know why so you you connect with New York City because of your family connection, yeah. but why do you think all of these works have that New York City connection? Like, what is it about right. New York City that makes it the right setting for these stories? I love that question, and I think... I think it's actually, wow, actually, what it what did I just sound like? <laughs> but I, I actually think that it's because each of these movies, um, each of these movies feel so much like Brooklyn to me because they're like the antithesis to what we're supposed to think about Brooklyn we, hmm. and New York. We ta- You know, in one of, I think it was the Devil Wears Prada series. Yeah. We talked about the sleek vision of New York, right? right? We yeah. talked about the this wrong gorgeous... version of New York, right? Yeah. The the vision that was being sold to Brooklyners as well as like this city of promise of opportunity, but Brooklyn and the surrounding boroughs all include the Bronx, all include Queens, you know, all of the other sections of New York were also being sold that dream as well. And so I think instead, I think the reason they feel uniquely um, like Brooklyn stories to me or um, like stories of New York to me is that they're very much outside of that sleek world that we're sold um, because I don't think that that is the truth. I think that that's the um, the postcard telling us to all move to New York City, Mm -hmm. but then the people who actually lived there <laughs> lived a different life, um, a hard life, a really kind of difficult existence in a lot of ways. Um, and I think I resonate and my family resonate with this with these stories because they tell it more honestly than, mm. say, the Devil Wears Prada did. Okay. Or... But do you really think that like something like West Side Story 
like, yes, it is more, like, more gritty than the Devil Wears Prada, but is that, is, is that even showing us the real New York City? Like, I, you know, I think that's, you know, to an extent, I just, like, yeah, like, I feel like everything is going to have a certain level of, like, fictionalization, right? So I think, I just think that's, like, an interesting, like, metric to measure something by is, like, how... How real is the is the vision of yeah. New York City in this work? Yeah, because you can never fun. get like perfect reality, right? Like, it, no. Yeah. And I think I love this as a whole exploration. I think I can say that, like, my dad, as my dad was growing up in Brooklyn, he saw himself in the Jets, and he saw okay. himself um, in that. He saw him. He saw the existence he was having, I think perhaps more so than the more recent one, maybe, I don't know. I haven't asked him. He hasn't seen the second one, but, and this is his musings, not mine, but he was definitely saw himself as a jet, as a child who was in this, the streets of this city and it was hard and it mm-hmm. was, you banded together. And, um, and then I think that there's also some of these movies that offer, I think another important piece is that they offer catharsis to this kind of a life. They offer the chance to laugh at it, the chance to um, take a look at the customs inherent within it. Like if you look at my cousin Vinny mm-hmm. or some of those funnier ones, they offer the chance to kind of have that catharsis. But I love this idea of, what is on the scale of real New York to fake New York? Uh-huh. Where are we? Um, sure. And you know, I think that's even true of when you're actually in New York. Where, mm. like, are you in tourist time- New York or yeah. yeah? Are you in Times Square for five minutes to look at the lights, or are you over in Soho? You know, taking the um, taking the train, you know, all of these different types of authentic New York, I think. Um, Gosh, I miss it down there. (laughs) Anyway. um, Yeah, I think. But I think that that, and I mean, this is like something that I'm sure, you know, is, uh, this is going off topic a little bit, but I think that. No, I think it's great. That idea of like, what is the real city versus what is the version of it that we see in movies? Like we can apply that to any city, but it's just that because so many things take place in New York, maybe this is just like the, the best, um, the best, like, sample size that we have for analyzing like reality versus um fictional uh depictions of something it's like if we wanted to do this with seattle like there really isn't that much that we can right you know that we can look at so yeah it would just be gray's anatomy (laughs) just be gray's anatomy and sleepless in seattle (laughs) yeah and And, 10 uh, things i hate about you yeah 10 things i hate about you (laughs) right yeah (laughs) but that's interesting no it's so interesting I also um I think I also bring up New York a lot because I have anecdotal data from my own family Mm -hmm. that's like 
that feels a little bit like an even further tell retelling of some grittiness and some realness and some just a different existence than again if you were you know the devil wears prada i can't think mm. of it from miranda Priestley. i was like what is her name um <laughs> The devil who the, wears Prada. The devil, the the titular devil. <laughs> the titular who wears devil Prada. who wears the Prada. Yes. Um. But yeah, should we dive into a few of these? Uh. Yes. Let's, Madame. So as we kind of, as is custom with Pop DNA birthday celebrations, we have a long list of kind of. Um, some of the media that we were thinking about and then we kind of just popcorn around to have a conversation about how it all plays out in the different pieces on the list mm -hmm. uh-huh let's see I think I think maybe we can start with funny girl and go from there Alrighty, funny girl so fun fact funny girl was aaron's username on uh was it okay cupid it sure was <laughs> and sometimes people would say tell me a joke funny girl and like, i'd say they did not no, get the reference get they did not get the reference clearly you don't understand my niche market <laughs> no it's not niche it's not i mean funny girls anyway <laughs> so Funny Girl tells the story of Fanny Bryce um, as she rises in fame to become a very famous female comedian. Um, and it all starts on Henry Street in Brooklyn, which is actually a place where my family used to hang out all the time. Hmm. I've been on Henry Street. You know, it's it's definitely what more so than my love of musical theater the presence of Brooklyn within the story is really what led me to first see that musical and then love that musical. Um, and I think it's such a fun movie because you watch as Fanny Bryce goes from, you know, auditioning for like these little tiny hole in the wall theaters mm -hmm. over in Henry street with her mom, I think is a cook, um, in Henry Street and you get to like there's all this dialogue about how she cooks for like the whole street and everyone comes over to her house all the time and their house is very much like the center of kind of the community down in Brooklyn and that's something that I think was true of my grandmother's house as well she was very much like the life of the party all the time like that so they would you would go from house to house sometimes to figure out who had the best food uh also mm -hmm. an original um function of a family funeral even if you didn't know the person you would go to the wake to get the food that's absolutely <laughs> true that's the story my my dad told me um that yeah you would go from house to house and if there was a wake on you would stop and you would pay your respects but you'd also eat the good brisket <laughs> but all to say that I saw so much truth in um the way that Fanny's family was written in this story from those stories they had told me and also just um kind of watching fanny bryce herself feel like the outsider mm -hmm. and kind of trying to figure out 
her avenue you know she auditions to be a dancer she auditions to be a roller skater and then someone (laughs) hears her singing and telling jokes and she's they're like well why didn't you audition with a song or a joke and she said well you weren't auditioning comedians you were auditioning dancers so I became a dancer I would have become whatever it was Mm -hmm. that you wanted and I think that that's from my understanding of, of how my dad grew up, that was very much the thing. You would figure out a way to claw, your, to claw yourself up, you know? It's a, mm, it's a good one. Interesting. Um, so that one, that is set in like the, the early 20th century, like 1900s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that movie a while ago, like years, several years ago. Um, and I, I don't think that I realized that it was that early, that it yeah. was set that early. Because it was made in what, like the 70s, right? 60s or 60s, 70s, 70s, somewhere there. So I was assuming it was maybe set in like the 30s or 40s. But I should have like, the um, the costumes should have tipped me off though, right? Because it's very like, yeah. But it's also, I can see, I also was kind of surprised at first at how much earlier it was. Um, Because it is, you know, you can't help but stylize when you're in the time when you have a Barbara Streisand. You Uh can't help but, you know, make it feel more 60s, even if it is telling the story of an earlier time. Right, yeah. Um, And like historical costuming in the 60s and 70s for films is so hilarious like I love it so much because it's so obviously like this historical period through the lens of like 1960s fashion or 1970s fashion and it's fascinating (laughs) absolutely I also think there's something to be said of costuming in musical theater Mm. it's like if you're poor, it's always going to look the same. Like, it's just yeah. <laughs> sometimes, like, unless there's someone, unl- I mean, of course, there are also incredible costumers, but sometimes you fall into that trap of, ah, eh, they're poor, here's a bag, you know, and it's just kind of, <laughs> like, not maybe what would have happened. But um, I really love um, Funny Girl specifically in this conversation because Fanny really finds her own agency in surprising ways I think she um she finds that she well with the end of the story she has to save her marriage her her uh, I was about to call him her father Nikki (laughs) is not her father um Nikki Arnstein who kind of starts out as this like he's rich and he's like she's thinking he's gonna save her he's gonna like He's kind of like she's in she feels an inferiority to him in right. some some degree but then she's the one who has to through a really hard time save their marriage and save his reputation and ultimately save herself by leaving him you know so kind of that like working through turmoil I think is a common thread in all of these stories um and kind of Maybe even a like having a happy ending that doesn't meet the the dream that you once thought you were gonna have. So her dream was to get to be this famous actress and singer, but also to very much to marry Nikki. She's very much in love with him, but then the dream changes and shifts when she sees that 
she doesn't need him. She mm-hmm. doesn't, her agency doesn't exist within, it, it's actually hindered by the presence of, of this guy who she once thought was kind of her, um, her whole world, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. Very interesting. I don't know if. Um, I don't know if that made sense. No, totally. And I think like okay, so like this this whole discussion of funny girl and like the early the early uh 20th century women in New York. It reminded me of this book that I read um called Bachelor Girl by Betsy Israel that is about sort of like basically like the social history of women being single living on their own. And yeah, it's a really good read. Uh, You should check it out. Um, But a big part of the book focuses specifically on the Bowery Girls of New York City in the early 20th century, Um, like through like the 1920s or 30s, I think is is kind of that time period. So like, I feel like Fanny, like fits very clearly into that. Uh, But the book, like goes into kind of like where all of the stereotypes about single women, like kind of the stigmas about single women, like where those come from culturally. Um, So like definitely like check out this book because it's a very interesting like social history um, that I think what like would actually apply to like a lot of the works that were that we're gonna discuss here, like for women who are yeah. single and on their own and trying to find independence. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, just oh, thought I'd throw neat. that in there. <laughs> yeah, my grandma used to hang out in the Bowery. I heard all sorts of stories. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, yeah, what was it called? You said it was... Bachelor Girl by Betsy Israel. Awesome. We'll put that in our show notes. And I'll put that in my Amazon. I mean, not Amazon. (laughs) Um, Do thrift books. Thrift books. Perfect. Thrift books or or bookshop.org. Perfect. Or IndieBound. Oh, IndieBound, yeah. Or just get it from Kings. Oh, yeah. My my (laughs) neighbors. Um... (laughs) Where should we go next? Hmm. Well, I think uh, Brooklyn might yeah. be a good place to go next. The the film and the book of Brooklyn. You told me at one point that like this story reminds you a lot of your grandma's story. Yeah, absolutely. This is the same person who wrote Angela's Ashes. Okay, I just wanted oh, to okay. make sure. Um, I've that's... never read Angela's Ashes. I haven't either, but by my dad's account, it's also a very truthful um, mm. depiction of the, the life that he lived. But yeah, so Brooklyn, have you seen the movie? Yes, and I read the book. Oh, cool. I haven't read the book yet. Um, I I definitely did see a lot of my grandmother in this. So she wouldn't have been the one who was coming over to Brooklyn, but it would have been her mother. Um, mm, okay. But she went, she, I think by the time my grandmother was 16, her mother had passed away. And so she very much had to oh, live. Wow. Um, she had to take care of their uh, of her, I think, three or four siblings in much the same way that kind of 
the older sibling, even though she stays in Ireland, the older sibling who kind of takes care of, I just tried to call her Brooklyn. Oh my goodness, what is her name? <laughs> That's the thing that we have about how, like... <laughs> The char- the main character's name is the title of the movie. <laughs> yeah, she really takes care of Brooklyn. No, oh my gosh. Let me just... Like Brave. Her yeah. name's Brave. Her name's Brave. <laughs> Ellis. Oh, maybe I didn't even know that. So this is a real good movie. Uh <laughs> I really liked it, obviously, but I like it because you see um, everything from her discovering that she can even go to America through Mm -hmm. like her boat trip over where she gets taught by the other women. Okay, this is what you have to do. That was such a neat scene where the other woman who had already gone made the same journey when she was a little bit younger says, okay, here are the things you're going to do. You're going to bolt that door because someone's going to come mm, in. You're never going right. to eat the the this specific type of food again because it's going to make you sick. Like, here are, here's the guide for how you're going to survive, and it's going to be awful, and it's going to be really hard, and you're going to be homesick, and you just have to know that this is the right choice. And just um, that also felt really unique to this conver or really inherent to this conversation is someone who has been through it before leading you through to the finish line, I think is a big component of life in general, but also the life of my grandmother and the women of Brooklyn is someone else is going to come through and help you through this because it, it's hard. Like it's a really big um, challenge to survive here. Um, I think also just that notion of um, of loss and longing, even if like my grandmother wasn't traveling from like overseas or anything, she still experienced loss at a very young age at 16. She still had to figure out on her own. I have five mouths to feed now. I have to just make this work. And Mm. that's where kind of her tenacity came from. And I saw the very, I saw that within the movie a lot, like how our lead character finds, finds housing, finds a job, and then eventually um, starts going to, I think a a typing school is what she winds Mm -hmm. up with. Yeah. Um, And just kind of building, um, building a life for herself kind of on her own. Yeah. And there's also like at this time, I think that there is, as we were talking about, not a reliance on finding a partner, but kind of. It definitely made things easier. Yeah. For a lot of women, if they were able to find a partner. Absolutely. Especially like. She winds up with a well-established Italian family. You know, they had already mm-hmm. worked through this process and um, gotten to a place where they knew the ropes a little bit better. So she could kind of join in with that. Gosh, I need to rewatch this movie. I love it so much. I know. That's what I was just thinking, too. I was like, I need to watch this movie again. It's so, it's so good. good. <laughs> and I think you also get just kind of the importance of... I mean, these, as I'm saying, these tropes, they're really found in everything, but they do feel like they're part of like the importance of, of family specifically and how when all of the women are living in the boarding house, they kind of create their own family together Mm. of women who are fighting for 
a life in this talk about, you know, a fabled mythical New York City future. You know, that's why you made the trip over to capital Mm -hmm. A America. That's why you did all of this. Um, And so I guess kind of to watch people and to have known people in my personal life who lived that of like, I don't know how we're going to survive here. I don't know what's going to happen. But man, we just got to keep our feet moving with it. Mm. We got to just keep it going. And look good doing it. Like, the style (laughs) was so on point. Oh, my goodness. And you know what? That was a big point. You got to have a hat and gloves. (laughs) Absolutely. And and I think in my grandmother's stories, you know, that was a huge point of pride. I think more so than now. Back then, it was more of a point of pride that you, you dress well, that you look nice, that you look sharp you dumbass but I mean really like (laughs) it was it was less optional then I think and more I think because of that kind of the scarcity of agency you had to look a certain way you had to exist Mm -hmm. like you had to present yourself well more so than today I remember like I don't know like my of course I think we all have these stories but we're like your grandmother's the one to notice if your nails aren't polished or your grandmother. Uh-huh, yeah. Like, what's going on there? Or like, Why aren't you wearing pantyhose? Yeah. Like, what's oh, that? I don't know. Cause it's not 1985. Yeah. Like... Cause they're so uncomfortable. <laughs> they're like, no, you got to do it. Um, yeah. It was just, funny. <laughs> it was just different. It was another Avenue through which they could find agency as women. Right. Yeah. And like fashion has always been, Like one of, you know, like until very, very recently, fashion was one of the only like socially acceptable ways for women to express their like creativity and personality. So like it's, yeah, it, you know, like if you had the money to do it, you could. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's, that's the key thing. But yeah. And I think that that money piece is important there too, because um, like my grandmother didn't have the means for all of that. Mm, so yeah. when she could give it to me, you know, it was more like, please use this luxury that I've given mm-hmm. that I've found for you, you know, and like, additionally, with the fashion industry came the ability for work. My grandmother also right. worked as a seamstress. Yeah. Um, and it's I think that was one of her first jobs, because they needed oh gosh they needed soldiers uniforms for the war oh and, okay and that was one of her first most stable jobs was that she was able to go sew somewhere um, and make some sort of an income um, in horrible conditions mm-hmm. but um so the reliance on fashion as a glorious outlet but also as a means to provide i think that's also why Love she that. She started the laundromat because, mm, yeah, because she she kind of saw that all women like needed a, a. It provided the door through which they could find like they could wash their clothes. They had that like they needed that. They were never gonna like drop mm-hmm. off from that. This is just pop DNA. Does Aaron's grandmother? I'm sorry. <laughs> You really sh- need to, like, write something about her, for sure. I'm like, a little obsessed with her. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> yeah, Brooklyn. Good movie. <laughs> yes, very good. <laughs> well, I think I think that like Mrs. Maisel might kind of tie into that really well. Yeah, I was thinking like, about similar that. similar time period. Yeah. Maybe. And well, I guess it's like a few years later, but it's still kind of exploring a similar thing with like identity and finding, you know, not just finding a way to survive, but like finding a way to kind of express who you are. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And kind of (laughs) seeing what you want your life to be and then seeing that kind of fall spectacularly to pieces (laughs) and then having to just figure it out. It's interesting to me that um, Mrs. Maisel and Fanny Bryce also relied on comedy. Um, yeah, that's and, interesting. And comedy that were that had them sometimes pointed to as more masculine. Like, oh, mm. women don't do this. Women right. aren't raucous. Women aren't, you know, telling these slanderous, dirty jokes or whatever they absolutely are like okay whatever but mrs <laughs> Maisel, um i was thinking about this on the the drive home or i don't drive on the bus home um someone was driving someone was driving i hope. hopefully yeah <laughs> was that kind of rebirth that mrs Maisel goes through uh so when we meet her we see this really fun montage of her like trying to well, we meet her when she's trying to find brisket for because the rabbis come in because they got the rabbi. <laughs> and then we see, you know, throughout the course of the season that um, she attended Bryn Mawr College and was very smart, but did also go to find an intelligent man to to marry. And then we meet Joel, who is, you know, just great. And yeah. oh gosh. <laughs> Um, and kind of, we see how she's using her intelligence to raise their family up through means of, of him, you know, like he's trying to be a comedian. And so we see her coming to his office to get him ready to prepare his set, to do all of this stuff. Um, And she talks about how that was for them, you know, that wasn't so Mm -hmm. much for him as for like, she was creating a a home and creating a family. And then um, he ultimately just um, makes some bad choices and she winds up being the comedian herself. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, man, I have to rewatch this one, too, because it's just (laughs) she's so funny. And Susie, oh, Gosh, so oh, I love Susie. I think Susie is a really fun um, example of someone who said absolutely not to all of these conventions mm-hmm. and finds yeah. her agency on her own and has such a strength and a power, but also like a heartbreak. Her performance, Alex Borstein really shows kind of the heartbreak of someone who's kind of been outcasted, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, she's strong and she's confident and she has built a life for herself. But I think in in some moments there's this, like, I don't know, just sadness behind her eyes, which is super haunting while she's mm-hmm. also being super funny. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to me that so... 
Um, Alex Borstein was originally cast as Suki in Gilmore Girls. Right. So it's 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 cool that Amy Sherman Palladino finally got to to work with her. Yeah. <laughs> in the show. I also kind of wonder if Susie is like kind of Amy Sherman Palladino's like not self insert exactly, but like she's kind of like the voice of. Sure. Amy Sherman Palladino in the show is yeah. kind of how I see Susie. Oh, I could absolutely I see I that. Interesting. <laughs> absolutely. Um, other Gilmore Girls mentions uh, <laughs> the redhead actress who plays. Oh my gosh, um, the evil, uh, who's even evil to Paris in Chilton. Oh my gosh, what is her name? Um, hold on. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Okay. Oh my yeah. gosh. She played it's name? the character in Gilmore Girls is is Francie. France, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know the actress's name though. <laughs> she pops up as Susie's sister, who's also uh, okay. a Brooklyner, and she's just super funny. She has the whole she has like the Brooklyn accent down. She's so mm. funny in it. Um and she and Susie kind of have to work through to get their family life sorted um in later Mm -hmm. seasons um i keep hoping that we're going to see a young emily gilmore yes (laughs) like wouldn't that be so good like a crossover and then it could launch into like her own series about young emily uh, when she went to where did she go to college she go to smith oh i think so or Or somewhere And yeah. then, like, meeting Richard and, like, wouldn't that be such a good show? <laughs> Look, if Supernatural got a literal Gilmore Girls episode, so <laughs> obviously Mrs. Maisel needs one. Um, yes. You should pitch that to to ASP to Amy. right now. Hey, hey, Amy. Amy, I've got an idea. <laughs> hey, hey, Amy. She is not giving hey, us hey, the time of hey, day. Amy. She is not giving us the time. <laughs> she is really not paying attention. Uh, <laughs> hey, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like two of our listeners got that, but you know who you are. Um, but all to say that, like, I think... I think with Mrs. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, I think with Mrs. Maisel, um, you also see um, both the, the joy that comes of this kind of rebirth, but also like the heartbreak for Miriam as well, you know, mm, like, yeah. And not only for the loss of Joel, I don't think, but for the loss of, well, and then he kind of, that's comes, not much of a loss. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? Just kind of the, like, I think the loss of the ideal that she's been working towards. Right. For, like yeah. her whole life. Like she is a smart, person and she I think she has that moment of wow I throughout my college throughout my life this has been what I was aspiring to and like a family and of course a family is a beautiful thing but I think Mm. it's a deep loss when that goes away all of a sudden and you realize oh here here I am just Mm. (laughs) just facing the societal implications that might have led me to want this in the first place, you know, like facing these ideas of, I mean, less so 
I'm not even going to say less so now, slightly less so now, like, but especially back then, people kind of looked at you like, oh, what happened to you that you didn't get this? Like, why, Mm -hmm. why aren't you married? Why did he, why did he leave you? Like, uh, she has that conversation, Mrs. Um, Miriam has that conversation with her dad where he says, look, I don't care. Go find a dress that he likes. Say the right things and get him to come back here. You don't want to Mm. do this. Yeah. You don't want to do this to yourself, but also you're not doing this to our family. And she kind of has to say, well, I mean, no. And those Mm -hmm. repercussions she has to face. And she, she does it with... With grace and a sense of humor. Mm. It's not a perfect show. There's a lot to point to that's problematic, actually. Yeah. But, like, a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I do appreciate the performances in it. Hey, Amy. <laughs> hey, hey, Amy. <laughs> and, you know, it. they also go to the, the Catskills, a la... Um, Dirty Dancing. So maybe that's where we can uh, yeah. <laughs> pinball to next. We're also, you know, we're right at 47 minutes. So we could maybe do like Dirty Dancing and then the quiz. Okay. Yeah. Have you I seen? I mean, we can, if I, I, I do also kind of want to hear your thoughts on like The Godfather and Goodfellas too. Ooh. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, we can go longer than an hour. It's okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. I assume you've seen Dirty Dancing. I, yes. Not as many times as Jess Day has seen it. Sure. But I've seen it a few times. (laughs) Sure. I kind of, I kind of think that Miriam Maisel is baby, but she doesn't go to social justice stuff. She goes to Mm. become a comedian. Um, Well, she does kind of have like... She does kind of, she's like exposed to kind of like the women's rights activism movement. And she definitely like feels an affinity with that. She just doesn't, you know, like take any action with that, I guess. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. not very much. Yeah. She could have, she could do more. She could have, she could do more. (laughs) She could do a lot more. Um, But yeah, I think... um, Dirty Dancing is kind of a similar story of, I don't, like, coming from a place of privilege and realizing that Mm. you live a life that has rose-colored glasses, you know? You Mm -hmm. have lived a very specific type of life, um, and you didn't even notice it. You didn't notice what kind of privilege you lived in, um... And then I think I meant to look this up too. The name of the dancer in that. What is her name? Um, Penny. Penny. Yeah. Penny, the beginning. Yeah. And then we we hear Penny's story, which has been, uh, I think, more of more of like a having to find your way as well mm. as you possibly could have. Yeah. In a way that makes you happy. With the specifics of Penny's story becoming suddenly much more relevant about a month ago. Absolutely. uh, 
Yep. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Just and um on that note, I watched a video. I'm blanking right now on what the YouTube channel was, but um it was about uh like that whole idea of abortion and dirty dancing. And they interviewed the screenwriter and she was talking about, so like she wrote the movie in, you know, the mid eighties. So like abortion was totally legal in all of the U S at the time and had been for, you know, a decade, but she wrote, she wrote that particular plot point into the movie. And she talked about how, um, like somebody at the studio was asking her, like, does this really need to be in there? And she's like, yes, it absolutely does. Because, this this is how the story is even able to happen and it's also you know really important to show like yeah this is what women are going through yeah um at the time so yeah wow it like she's like yes it's necessary for for the stakes of the story so yeah i'll see if i can dig up that that um a link to that video and we can put that in the show notes too oh great it was fascinating yeah. And like, just the question of do we need this? Yes, we absolutely mm-hmm. we need to keep telling these stories, you know? Wow. Yeah. yeah. I just think <laughs> Dirty Dancing is another story of um, how we find that agency and how we like, I, th- I guess this is also a conversation about how you decide kind of the kind of life that you want to live, right? Do you Mm want to live, does baby want to live a life like her sister, who's just kind of like drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak, and kind of (laughs) just... She's she's on the path to becoming a Stepford wife. Yeah, that's all. Um, Or do you want... Oh, we totally could have put the Stepford wives in this. Oh, goodness. Wait, we... well, that's not in New York, is it? Never mind. <laughs> but you get those same themes, you know, yeah. especially yeah, like definitely. in up in the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, Dirty Dancing is, I think, a really important one here because you watch Baby make that choice, you know, like that classic mm-hmm. line. Um the summer when people when they still called me baby before it occurred to me to mind you know Mm, and just kind of realizing the constraints that she was put into and how to kind of break out of those um also I just love Swayze so much (laughs) Swayze I love him um (laughs) nobody puts baby in a corner nobody puts baby in a corner um and then just like i i feel like my conception of dirty dancing has become conflated with all the dirty dancing references in new girl (laughs) yeah so So i'm like viewing dirty dancing but through the lens of new girl oh of course (laughs) i'm always gonna see it from now on you have to yeah Aw, they sing it at the end of the first they episode. Do <laughs> I like how they're like, we are her boyfriends. Um, <laughs> we are reverse Mormons. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Oh, dirty um. dancing. Yeah. 
<sighs> so adding that to my list. Yeah. Movies to watch. They did AMC did like a screen at home thing during the quarantine and that's one of the ones we did. That was fun. Ah. That's fun. Sponsor SAMC, please. Hello. Yes, please do. With Maria Menounos and her new <laughs> notes. Um, anyway. Money, please. <laughs> Money, please. <laughs> I mean, Jenny okay. Slate is a real life example <laughs> of someone who went through this. I love her. She's a Brooklyn woman. Um, anyway, so, yeah, where do we want to go next? <laughs> um, whale. Whale, whale, whale. We, before we started recording, we were just, like, briefly talking about, like, mob media. <laughs> yeah. Like, The Godfather and Goodfellas, which, neither of which I have seen. Yeah. But I feel like they're so, like, enmeshed in our cultural consciousness that I yeah. I kind of know enough about them, at least, to sort of, you know, yeah. get the discussion of them. Um, but you were saying that, like, the female characters in these works are, like, not really developed at all, which I think, like you know, like, the, that's very much par for the course for so much yeah. of media throughout the history of film. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but I do think that that can be kind of an interesting way of discussing, like, the role of women in media that, yeah. like, is primarily made with, like, a male audience in mind. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what, like, your thoughts on that are with these two yeah works i think it really speaks to you know uh a few episodes ago we were talking about toxic masculinity Mm. and kind of what it means to be a man and what it means you have to provide for your family you have to be a tough guy you have to be the one doing it and i think that that's something that was very much at play in Brooklyn at the time and with those families that they were talking about and with the mafia and with all of that was the toxic masculinity. And so like the, the onus was that the man was going to provide and it became like a weird pride thing. So Mm -hmm. in these movies, the women are kind of, it seems as though they're, they're robbed of their agency because the man has been the provider and kind of has, I, I always feel that there, that there's an anger that comes out um, in those movies when it's suggested that the female do something or have power. That's kind of where the Mm. anger from all of that uh, toxic masculinity and kind of the trauma comes out for for these men is that no i'm gonna provide you know that kind of Mm -hmm. anger to it Um, sure it's almost like a woman like if if a woman is sort of seen as like the the husband's you know like his responsibility or even like yeah his property in a sense right and so like for her to provide for herself to like fill this function that he thinks he's supposed to be filling it's like and it's like a challenge to his masculinity right because it's like it's it's like you know saying that 
he's not capable of right. doing what a man is supposed to do because yes. she had because she's working to provide for herself. Yeah. Um, yeah, for and, sure. And there's such a trauma on both sides of that, you know, like these mm-hmm. I think in in Goodfellas you see the young boys who are growing into the men, you know, and kind of how they learn these um these things that they have to do and these kind of have these constraints and so to speak put on them that they are to provide and they are not to show their emotions and they are just mm-hmm. to go about um that role and then of course there's the trauma for the women who are not afforded um agency or self-efficacy or, or very much of anything um and they're kind of they just feel more like caricatures they're such long movies too mm. and they <laughs> barely get any like like the whole thing is narrated by like a, a man you don't get a uh-huh. lot at all of screen time with the women and if they do if you do it's always in conjunction to the men or in conjunction right. to who they are to the men um yeah it, it's really They're like npcs <laughs> women are really like npcs yes absolutely like, that's very much yeah yeah very much very much in the male gaze like yeah. not just in the sense of like sexual objectification but like right. in the male gaze in the sense of like women have to you know they're not fully fleshed human beings they're like right they're just one dimensional, you know, like archetypes that sort of fit into these certain categories Yeah, that like prop up the man's story is yeah. kind of what I mean. That's sort of like what I mean when I say that they're very much in the male gaze. But... Absolutely. There's also yeah. such this idea, we've kind of been talking about this this whole time, but there's such that idea of a good woman versus a bad woman. Mm, sure, yeah. Like the good woman will be beautiful and and gorgeous for you and she will be, you know, all the things that a woman should be, but if if she in you know, taps into her own personal sexuality in a way that feels true to her or if she taps into her power in a way that feels true to her and it's not what you wanted from her then it's mm. it's just not going to fly, you know? Yeah. And I think there's very... I, I love that you mentioned the male gaze because a woman taking power of her own sexual energy was a powerful thing and very much not allowed in these movies, you know? Like, mm. they were sexual beings for men. It was... Wow, wow. Mm-hmm. But also... Yeah. But also... I love these movies, but that is like, you can't talk (laughs) about them without thinking about that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, New York. New York, New York. The city's so nice, they named it twice. Yeah. The other other name is Manhattan. (laughs) (laughs) Michael Scott. Yes. I'm going to go to my favorite pizza shop. My favorite pizza place, and it's Sparrow. It's just Sparrow. I go here every time I'm in the city. Uh, yeah. 
the other part that makes me laugh is that he gets to the very end of the island and he doesn't know what to do. That part uh-huh. makes he's me like, laughed. oh, I guess, oh, oh we're, we're turning around, we're going this way. <laughs> <laughs> no idea about what happens after so that, that. He's like, uh, that's that's either uh, the Hudson or, uh... <laughs> like, he has no idea. Where he has he's... no idea. <laughs> And they're just kind of letting him wander, like the camera crew. Yeah. <laughs> they're just letting him do whatever. It's fine. Oh, that's great. Oh my gosh. I feel I feel like that's how I would be in New York. I've never been to New York. We should go. I feel like I would <laughs> That's what I would do. We should we should go and you can show me around. Yeah. Absolutely. You could you can give me the Mrs. Maisel tour. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be really fun actually. Now I just have the TJ Maxx theme song. TJ Maxx, that one. You should go. You should go. (laughs) Anytime someone says you should go, I get that in my head. You should go. (laughs) Oh, I love that. (sighs) But yeah. So. Well, are we going to take the quiz? Yeah, should we? Okay, so we're going to take a quiz to find out which mrs mazel character we are uh let's see it's on buzzfeed and apparently they had the cast take oh, the quiz yeah. too um so i'll be watching that video later <laughs> yeah um so let's see where's the quiz here we go okay <laughs> first question what would your friend say is your biggest star quality I have no idea. <laughs> the choices are sense of humor, creativity, stage presence, fashion sense, hardworking, or positive attitude. I don't know. Probably creativity or sense of humor. For you, I think it's a three-way tie. You're all, but the thing is, you're all of these things. But okay. Uh, um, I'm gonna go hardworking for me. Okay. What's number? I still don't know which one. Oh, which one am I gonna do? You know what? I'm gonna switch mine to sense of humor. So I'm gonna do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that's what I'm gonna do too. All right. Choose something to co- to order at the stage deli. Yes. What have we got? We got Ooh. we got our pastrami on rye. We got matzo ball mm. soup. We got pickles. We got potato knishes, which are my dad's Ooh. favorite. We got black and white cookies, and we got a cheese danish. Ooh, love a cheese danish. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going with. I gotta go pastrami on rye. <laughs> mm. A pastrami. Pastrami. <laughs> Choose a funny TV lady to spend the day with. Lorelai Gilmore. Gloria Delgado Pritchett from Modern Family, Rachel Green, Leslie Nope, Carrie Bradshaw, or Issa D from Insecure. Oh my gosh, this is such a tough decision. I'm going to go Gloria. I think Gloria would be so much fun. fun. I really want to meet Lorelai, but I feel like if she, like wasn't vibing with my vibe, (gasps) it would be very unpleasant. 
Right. Can you imagine <laughs> if Lorelai didn't like you? That'd be like the Oh my gosh. I see I feel like Leslie Nope would love me though. So I'm gonna go with her. I mean, yeah, absolutely. She loves everyone. So yeah. I think Leslie Nope would show me the best time. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, choose somewhere to go on vacation. Do we want to go to Paris? Mm. The Catskills, the Upper West Side. Coney Island, uh, Las Vegas, or Miami? Hmm. I feel like all of these, besides the cat skills, it's like <laughs> city. You're like, right. And when I'm going on vacation, I normally don't want to go to like in uh, like a downtown city. Yeah, totally. Area. So I'm going to go with cat skills. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I've always wanted to go there. Uh, I'm going to go Paris. Oh, mine had confetti. Did yours have confetti? Yeah, mine had confetti. <laughs> Who did you get? <laughs> I got Mrs. Maisel. Oh, look Who'd at you. you I got Moisha. Oh, I love him. Moisha Maisel. <laughs> He's so funny. Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, a, what, a university professor or something? He's good. Yeah. In the game of life, he's pretty good. Yeah, not bad, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like I need to rewatch this. I haven't watched the the latest season at all. I haven't. And I either. feel like I'll, I feel like I need to catch up. But. Yeah, like it was just these episodes are so long. I just couldn't. I know. Like finish it. And, <laughs> and some of the stuff is really problematic, so I like I had yeah. a hard time with it. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. Oh, now I'm like looking at all of the other quizzes that they have here. There's one called The Russian Doll Cast Reveals Some Behind the Scenes Secrets About Oh, that's not a quiz, never mind. But there but- is one for <laughs> So. The cast the cast of Tall Girl 2 played Who's Who and proved that they're besties on and off screen. Aw, look <laughs> at you guys. Amazing. The Emily in Paris cast took a oh. quiz to find out which character they are. I need to find out which Emily in Paris ca- uh, character I am. We um, need to but do I will a- do that afterward. <laughs> we need to do a whole series just so that I can decompress just- about Emily in Paris. <laughs> That they're making they're making a season three they are not really (laughs) oh no yeah i think they are i saw something about it i don't remember if it was like confirmed that they were doing it or i'm Uh, looking it up right now that show oh my gosh yeah they're making a season three when she walks in there and assumes to know more than the And like, she's just like, um, I'm in charge here now. And she has the most cliched, like, she clearly only knows about Paris because of Amelie. I think we discussed this absolutely. already. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, like, her gorgeous oh boss has been working in the industry for, like, decades. And she just says, no, I know more than you. It's fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wow, okay. And the, uh, yeah, we'll get we'll we do need to <laughs> we'll get we there. do need to do it. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> we do need to do a series about this. Oh my 
my god. Yeah, we don't have our um no. our regular season schedule yet, so we should probably talk about that. Yeah. And maybe <laughs> do Emily and Paris. I mean, we're gonna have to, I think. Like, <laughs> you're gonna have to. It's yeah. just so offensive, the whole thing. But it's, it's, so... <laughs> it's just like wow. <laughs> okay. It's like boring and incomprehensible at the same time i don't yeah. know how I, right. they manage that okay that's enough we, <laughs> we gotta save it for the <laughs> save it for the episodes so <laughs> yeah. so yes what are what is our ending thought for the women of new york <laughs> do you like my accent i loved your accent um <laughs> I think my my takeaway is just that I am obsessed with my grandmother and I'm sorry. Thank you for going on this journey with me. Yeah, I think you I am like really serious that you need to write like some something about her. I have a whole folder. Yes. That's kind of like my various attempts over the years to find the right medium and the right like way to do Mm -hmm. it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, do it. Yeah. I'll help you if you if you Hell want yeah. help. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, happy birthday, Erin. Thank you. I feel as though I have successfully I turned thirty-one. Nice. I know all of our listeners are also wishing you a happy birthday. Thanks, everyone. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are continuing our summer international film series. Yeah. We've got two more movies, so check those out. Yeah. And then we're going to start season (laughs) season four. Oh, wow. Season four. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, season four. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That's bananas. Um, Yeah. All right, Uh, well, we will catch you later. Yeah, thanks, friends. Bye. Bye.